Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome to the 12th Man Rising podcast. I'm Lee and the star of the show, Kevin Daggett, is here. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I can't complain after week one. Uh, Russell Wilson obviously started off hot, 31 of 35 for, I put 20 yards on the outline, which makes no sense, right? So it was a little over 300 yards and four touchdowns. But before we get into you and I, and and really more you, because you sound a lot smarter than I am, our producer and uh, the 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 god of this show, uh, Rob Still. Rob has a question for us. Rob, Ooh, how are uh, you? That, that sounds like I got a promotion, and I'm not sure I wanted it. <laughs> no, just a, a quick question regarding this season, because I looked at the scoreboard on Sunday and got really confused by one very, what should have been a simple thing, because it took me about five minutes to figure out who the hell is LV? Did you guys have that problem with <laughs> Because I, I forgot yeah. about it at this point. That's a was that just weird. me? I still don't like them. But. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> funny because I you know I probably like any football fan when they made the transition to Las Vegas. You're talking about the Raiders, obviously. Las Vegas yeah. this off season, and I kept seeing LV like on. So I check. I, I think it's a Canadian app, but I checked the score for for scores, and I was looking at like football and it was like lv i was like what what is lv what the heck is it liverpool has a actual nfl team i was like what is that and it, i went there before i went to vegas so yeah i'm, I'm with you on that <laughs> so i'm still trying to transition to the las vegas raiders it's so such a weird season it only it makes sense for the raiders off. yeah it only, it only makes sense for the raiders to start 2020 as las vegas because this year has been so weird anyway but Kevin's Just on it. To ask. Yeah, no, yeah, no problem whatsoever. Because Seahawks fans should hate Raiders, the Raiders, right, Kevin? We do, <laughs> even though they're not in the same division anymore and haven't been for a while. I'm, you know, lifelong no. Raider hater. Now, some of the <laughs> players I've liked over the years, but as a whole, you know, and well, you know, Tom Flores, he he did work for the Seahawks for a while, so that's you know, true. You and didn't he get nominated? Did he get nominated, or is he inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame? I know um, John Clayton had a big thing about him. I think maybe Flores is going into the Hall of Fame now. He huh. might be. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. My dad was a big Raiders fan, and I remember, you know, because we're all old. That uh, watching the Raiders in the early late seventies, and well, I was a Steelers fan in the seventies. I'll be honest, when I was growing up, and I hated the Raiders. And it's funny because I became a Seahawks fan long ago. Still hated the Raiders, but also hate the Cowboys. So those are the two teams I really hate the most. The Raiders and the Cowboys, but my dad liked the Raiders and he just, I, I, I don't know. He got so pissed at me one time because the Steelers, gosh, I don't even remember when this was the eighties, the Steelers made an interception in the playoffs game, uh, against the Raiders, whoever the quarterback was. And I was like, yes. And my dad got so pissed at me because he was a lifelong Raiders fan, but oh, well, I guess each generation has their own fandom unless you grow up in the, in the specific fandom. Like most 12s listening to the show did. So hopefully, anyway. Um, yeah, that's, just, 
that's back when players used to stay with one team. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point. This is way off subject, but I like LeBron James. I always have since he started off in Cleveland, since he came out of high school. So as an NBA guy, because there's no Seattle team, I kind of follow LeBron James. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I like the, I say the Browns. I don't know what I said. The Cavaliers. Anyway, um, he, he, I was a Cavaliers fan. Then he went to the Heat, and I was like, okay, I like the Heat. And then he went back to Cavs. Oh, I like the Cavs. Okay, I, I never really liked the Lakers, but I guess I'm a Lakers fan. And, and that's kind of the same thing. It's like I follow the player. It's worse in the NBA, but it's getting that way in the NFL too, right? Should I dig out my books of Ricky Henderson cards? <laughs> well, I got, I, I'm a Gary Payton's my favorite basketball player. And when he went to the Lakers, oh, baby, that was a struggle. I, I rooted for Payton, but could not root for the Lakers. And it was a, it was a weird time in my life to um, watch him play basketball with that purple and yellow on and go, man, what <laughs> something, something's not right here. But <laughs> Well, now you're a big Thunder fan, right? Uh, yeah <laughs> just joking I don't, I don't think i've watched an nba game in a long time but man and i used to like the nba i was a huge college basketball fan growing up and i liked the nba because the players stayed in college three years so you already knew who they were before they came into the nba anyway we're getting way off subject but speaking of gary payton personal foul delay of game on lee <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's, that's totally you know what? I'll that. call it on myself. I was going to say, actually, I, you're, the, you're the one that you're the one that started it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll shut up and let you guys talk about the birds now. Okay. That's, yeah, I should do a yeah, Bill Lambeer and like complain that anyway. But uh, <laughs> speaking of greatness, Gary Payton, LeBron James, Russell Wilson, of course, was great. He is great, great quarterback. But um, moving on from Russell, who was fantastic, and we probably could say that nearly every week. And he was he was the offensive MVP from week one against the Falcons. How great to you, Kevin, was Jamal Adams? <laughs> I tell you what, I, I uh, was it on Twitter. Somebody, uh, no, you asked me if we overpaid for him. I'm like, yeah, we may have. And after first call, I'm like, ah, I don't think anybody overpaid for that guy. <laughs> at least, at least this game. I mean, it, you know, it could all go to hell. But I mean, geez, I I think you said in a text well i don't we don't win that game without that guy and wagner for that matter but man he was a beast yeah he was i mean he just changed he 12 tackles one sack uh two tackles for loss two quarterback hits he just kind of totally changes and no offense to bobby wagner who's a future hall of famer um and jamal adams maybe as well and hopefully he's a seahawk beyond 2021 because he signed through that season but I mean, he changes the way the defense can play. He even changes the way Ken Norton Jr. feels like he can coach, probably, correct? Yeah, that was my biggest concern is, are they going to let this guy do what he needs to do? And it sure looked like almost like they were just saying, dude, whatever you see, go for it. I mean, because he was lined up. I don't know how many times he was lined up right on the ball or right on the line. And he in his leadership, I mean, walking up and just patting guys in the head and saying, you know, good job. And I mean, that's, and that's, I think they've been lacking that leadership and that de- on that defense for a while. It's just that, that, um, that personality, I guess it is that leadership, but just a guy who has a, a, a big personality who can play and, uh, you know, gets people fired up. Yeah. I think you hit on that perfectly right there because the defense is not without talent, uh, over the last couple of years, they haven't been very good, but they did have Wagner and they've had Shaquille Griffin, who was really good last year. 
But I think, as you just said, the thing they're missing the most is that just that energy and that leadership and want to be a leader as far as, I mean, Wagner's a leader, but he's not vocal. He never really has been. He was kind of put in that position last year, but uh, screw Earl Thomas. He was not that kind of leader, but Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman clearly were. And they just, the defense kind of fed off that. And I think Jamal Adams is exactly that kind of leader. Um, he, he's been great for three years plus one game. Um, just based on the one game, I mean, yeah, maybe it looks like the Seahawks clearly didn't give up and uh, they didn't give up too much for him in two first round picks for Adams. But at this point, based on what he did before he became a Seahawk and now that one game with a Seahawk, I mean, you're basically taking the first round pick of 2021 and saying, OK, that's Jamal Adams. That's obviously more than enough. And then you take the 21 first round pick in what, 2020 is it 22, I guess. And they suck at first round picks, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, that's I mean, what I was just going to say is, is what first round pick in the last few years has really turned out well. So, you know, to give up, give up that much and get a proven player, hey, pretty good deal to me. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he, he, I'm sure he'll continue to do what he does. But I mean, first, any first game is any indication we're we're looking good there. Yeah, and he, and that's his first game in that defense, and he'll should only become better. So, uh, first round draft pick from 2019. Getting all my years mixed up. LJ Collier, who didn't do anything last year, actually looked fairly decent in first game. Right? He did. Yeah, he didn't look bad. I mean, he you know he he uh, looked healthy. Um, looked like he bulked up a little bit too, and um, but uh, yeah, I was impressed with him. So he yeah, had the quarterback hit, and almost it was kind of funny because it was uh, it was an intentional grounding, which I thought and and people listening to the show can correct me via text or whatever they want to do. I thought intentional grounding used to include having a sack as part of that because you force the guy and your loss of down. They can give him the sack on that, but that's kind of really a sack because he forced Ryan, Matt Ryan into intentional grounding. Um, Benson Mayoa, his first game back, he had a sack um, in a while. Defensive line was weird because it's like they didn't really put that much pressure on Ryan, um, even though they the Falcons clearly, because the score got out of hand, they were clearly having to throw a lot more. Um, I don't know. What do you think about the defensive line overall? I mean, they had their moments, but what do you think about overall yeah i agree they had their moments that i don't know that they need to get more pressure on them and and i think they had some what they're i saw today they're uh bringing in some defensive tackles to take a look at so or some some defensive line folks to take a look at this week so that's good well, one uh, of those is me so that just temper <laughs> your expectations <laughs> well why are they even looking at anybody else <laughs> i right. mean come on that's right. He weighs one seventy five. We could throw him in there. It's fine. That's right. And you probably get you get more than a minimum deal, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I pay them. I pay them the minimum deal to allow me to be on the team. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. I have to ask for friends to come up, pony up that uh, whatever it is, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to allow me to be part of the Seahawks. Heck, I'd be willing to do that probably. Yeah, I'll come. Coming into coming into this season was not, uh, you know, had some work to do. So um, it's it's good to see that they're not sitting on their laurels and saying, "Hey, we're going to go with what we got. We're we're going to look to improve." So that's good. 
Yeah, and actually the defensive line looked – I looked at <laughs> Davian Clowney's uh, stats from Monday night in the first Titans game. He had no sacks, two tackles. Um, Clowney – it, it's funny we talked I mean we're not going to talk about Jadavian Clowney too much more because the season started and who knows how he'll end up being but he he was such a he he really isn't a Leo and that's what the Seahawks needed um and they they didn't really need they didn't really need a guy who could stop the run on the opposite side he was great at that but they can fill that role but I think the key with with Clowney is they didn't overpay for him and maybe and this is based off one game, which means absolutely nothing, even though it was up against a potential Hall of Fame quarterback in Matt Ryan. The the defensive line looked good enough where they wouldn't have necessarily missed Jadavian Clowney too much this season. Do you do you agree with that, or am I just way off base? No, I, I agree with that. I mean, Clowney might have made a difference because he's a big body and he's he's pretty fast. He dances around a lot, and you know he gives you. I don't care who you are, but that guy's always got to be in the corner of your eye. You know, you got to be looking out for him. So, um, but would have it would it have made a huge difference? I don't I don't think so. Um, but again, they do need to get somebody else on that line <laughs> if, yeah. if we want to go deep into um, any type of uh, playoffs or anything. And I know it's only game one, but still looking to the future. Yeah, the interior of the, as you just said, the interior of the defensive line is is just so shallow. And early in the game, they gave up running yards. And the reason they didn't give up more than 72 yards in the first game was probably because the Falcons ended up having to throw the ball a lot more because the Seahawks did something they don't normally do, which is actually be aggressive fairly early in the game for the first two and a half quarters and got a big lead. So the Falcons had to run. But against the Patriots, which we'll get more into this in just a minute, um, they're going to have to have, you know, a lot more run stoppage than they did against the Falcons, and that kind of concerns me. But a um, couple of things from, from week one. Damian Lewis started at uh, at right guard, had a couple of bad penalties. But really, as the game wore on, especially against Grady of the Falcons, who's a good player, I thought Lewis held his own. I think he's going to be pretty good long term. What do you think? Yeah, I, I do too. I think, you know, the offensive line, they did all right. That, that first play, I was like, oh my God, is this what we're looking at? <laughs> I thought the same But <laughs> I was like, man, this is continuation of, uh, uh, was that Jermaine Effetti there? And I mean, but um, <laughs> it's, I think they held their own, you know, and I think, I don't, I think Atlanta's got a, they got a, they got a pretty, pretty respectable defense. I mean, it wasn't like, um, you know they're 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 no good. So I th- I think they did they did all right. I mean Russ got got knocked in a few times, but um, you know a couple of those are maybe on him. But I think they did all right. But that's and I and I think that's that's what we're going to get as far as the offensive line because you know <laughs> wasn't too much action on that in the off season. No, not at all. And I, I mean even one of the signings they had, B.J. Finney, didn't end up starting at all, playing any at all in week one and. I actually thought Ethan Posick looked okay um, against the, the Falcons, which maybe he'll be okay the rest of the season. Maybe that's all they need from a center position. But uh, big play of the game. Um, you know, I mean, the Seahawks had a lead, but going forward on fourth and five in the third quarter and then throwing it to DK Metcalf after Metcalf had. To me, uh, Metcalf, that drop he clearly had. Um if he had turned and run, he probably would have, he should have been able to score because he probably would have outrun 
were outpowered that one guy that was beyond him, but he dropped the ball. And then Wilson going back to him for the 38-yard touchdown pass on fourth and five. I thought that showed a couple of things. It showed that Metcalf doesn't have any kind of memory, which is good, like a closer in baseball. Wilson trusts him. Uh, Metcalf's going to be really good. But it also showed that, hey, maybe the Seahawks are going to be a lot more aggressive this season because that's something they wouldn't have done in the past, go for it on fourth and five. And that was really the turning point or – it was a turning point. It was more like the – the finality of the Seahawks are going to win this game. Did you think the same thing? Yeah, and they, they don't go for it on those plays very often, but when they do, that's what they do. I mean, they throw those long balls and just air it out. And you know, I don't know if – I guess it's kind of like, well, hopefully we'll, he might catch it or we'll get a, uh, you know, a defensive pass interference. But, um, you know, I, I – I can't. I mean, I've, I've in my memory, that's that's what Russell Wilson does on those those fourth and uh, whatever calls is he you know he throws it up deep. So um, yeah, and DK is just a monster. Jeez. Yeah, it was funny because I looked at the stats and Lockett had what ninety plus yards receiving, and I'm like, when did he even catch the ball? Yeah. <laughs> it was just like so quiet how how the yards he put up. But I think that's that's a great thing because I think the reason is. Um, for uh, I'm trading Q and A with uh, the fan-sided Patriots uh, guys this week, and and one of the questions they had, they didn't ask anything about Tyler Lockett. No offense to them, but they asked about DK Metcalf on Stephen Gilmore, um, and and my answer was like, I you know I think Gilmore is the better player of the two at this point, but Tyler Lockett's not. I mean, Gil, um, Metcalf's not the best receiver on the Seahawks team. It's Tyler Lockett. So I think yeah. that shows a lot. You know, there's a lot, not a lot of people out there, just general public watching NFL games. I mean, we're going to hear more and more about DK Metcalf because the guy is, what, eight feet tall and runs a, a 3-2-40 and is just a beast. But Tyler Lockett makes DK Metcalf a better receiver at this point, and it's probably the more reliable receiver, which is a good thing when you're going up against a good team with a good secondary, right? Is it maybe they're more focused on Metcalf than uh, Lockett? Yeah, now they got to focus on Greg Olson too. I mean, we actually True. got a, a tight end that can can catch the ball and do something. But speaking of catching the ball, that damn bullet that Wilson threw to him on that touchdown was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> we caught that thing. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because Russell Wilson really should have been thirty three out of thirty five people had caught the ball. I mean, he was, and the other two were two throws were just throwaways. So. It's just kind of crazy. But, um, you know, the Patriots with Bill Belichick obviously bring their whole different level of of uh, challenges because he's going to be able to adapt. Belichick It's going to be able to adapt his game plan to whatever team he faces, no matter who he has. He doesn't have Tom Brady, but he has Cam Newton and Cam Newton has beaten the Seahawks before. What kind of challenges do you see? The Patriots and Cam Newton bringing the Seahawks defense in Week Two. Uh, Newton's little, little more mobile than Brady. A um, little bigger. He's, uh, yeah. I, but they've played with they've played Newton before. So I mean, the Seahawks know how to play him. It's not like they haven't they haven't played that guy before. Um, but uh, as far as challenges go, I think it's it's going to be his his mobility. Um, and uh, you know, he's got some good targets. He's got some good uh, offensive weapons. Um, you know, and Belichick does. He, he makes he takes whatever he has on his team and he makes the best of them. Um, and 
Yeah, he's, I don't know. He's probably the best at doing that. Um, I think, uh, I think the, uh, I, I don't know that the Patriots are going to be the Patriots of old that we've seen over the past 20 years without Brady. Um, I certainly hope not, but, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, th- I think we'll do all right. If, again, if we can get some pressure on him, which is always probably going to be the thing we talk about all year long with that defensive line is if, if I can get pressure on him, we'll be all right. If we can't, we're going to have problems in our second. I mean, besides Adams, um, you know, some of our secondary this last week uh, wasn't as stellar as they probably could have been, but um, um, hopefully they'll step up this week. Cause if, again, if we can't get pressure on him, he's going to tear us apart. Do you think that the uh, Seahawks might go a little bit more like last year with four three base just to uh, just to kind of keep check on Newton's running ability? They probably should. I mean, um, they might. I mean, I don't know if you put Wagner Wagner on him a lot. I don't know what they're going to do, but they might. They might have a linebacker um, kind of spying on him. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if Jordan Brooks who. He had one really good tackle on Julio Jones in week one and then a couple of plays where he kind of seemed lost, but he's a rookie in his first game with no preseason. It'd be interesting um, just as a fan to see if they go with more 4-3 base and just go to Jordan Brooks and be like, Cam's your guy. You keep an eye on him and then just see what happens because Cam's not going to outrun Jordan Brooks. So it'll be interesting to see what what they do with that. I'm um, interested to see if they put Robinson in too. I'm gonna see. Interested to see what he can do. Uh, yeah. Defensive line. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, as far as the the offense going up against the Patriots defense, which is really really good, even though they've lost several players who opted out, um, Patrick Chung and other players. I mean, they're still a fairly loaded and extremely well coached defense on the Patriots side. Stephen Gilmore, of course, may be the best cornerback in the league. Um, there's going to be a difference between what the Seahawks were able to do against the Falcons versus what they can do against the Patriots. The Falcons secondary just wasn't very good to be honest. So how do you think the Seahawks need to attack the Patriots defense in week two? Well, we probably need to establish a little more of a run game um, first and hopefully that can open up the, uh, the pass. But there, there was a few times this, um, even though that, Atlanta defense isn't that great. They did have some good coverage, and Russ Wilson couldn't find anybody open. Um, so, you know, he's going to have to uh, keep his eyes up and maybe get a little more creative, and the receivers are going to have to do a little better job of, of getting open in order for him to, to get him the ball because, as you said, New England does have a better defense than Atlanta. It'll be interesting because 2016, I think, was the last time these two teams played, and friend of mine who covers the Patriots um I you know I was asking him about the before the game just about what his biggest concern was and obviously the most people will answer Russell Wilson and he did say it was Russell Wilson his greatest concern for the Patriots going up against the Seahawks but his reason was that Belichick is he's a great coach maybe the greatest coach in the history of the NFL but he also he has black and white what he doesn't normally account for, which any coach can't account for, is the gray area. Um, so even though he can schematically change from team to team, it's harder for him to adapt to a team with a really, really good quarterback, but one who's also mobile. So if he goes up against a quarterback that's uh, Matt Ryan, for instance, in the Super Bowl, they ended up coming back and winning. Matt Ryan's a great quarterback, but he doesn't. he's not really mobile 
what Belichick and, and really nobody can really account for is the fact that you have a quarterback who can throw accurately but also move, and that's just something you don't know what to do with. So, I mean, in, in a way, Belichick, he, had, he gave a press conference yesterday or today and was glowingly speaking about the Seahawks because that's what NFL coaches do. You don't usually badmouth somebody before a game, right? Um, but Belichick <laughs> kind of admitted to the fact that it was like, yeah, I mean, it's Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. So this game really does come down to Russell Wilson, right? If he plays great, the Seahawks will win, and if for some reason he does has an off game, they'll lose, right? Pretty much. I wonder if Belichick's like that because he hasn't really ever had a mobile quarterback. That's a good point. That's <laughs> a great Patriots. point, actually. I mean, I don't know if – I mean, he does now, but, you know, Brady's <laughs> – he and Peyton Manning, I mean, they're not the most uh, – Multiple guys around. No, we have we have two presidential candidates right now, and and pretty much they're more <laughs> mobile than Tom Brady. I think. <laughs> bare, yeah, exactly. <laughs> About the same age too, right? <laughs> Seems like it. it's kind of funny, actually. That's right. Somebody should do a, a scouting report just if Biden or Trump were quarterbacks, and that's what the, that's what would happen. Well, you got to do this, and then you got to do this. Got to play base defense. Um, so anyway, that's, that's all we have, but do you have uh, you have a prediction for week two? It, I know the game's at home. There's not going to be any 12s in the stands, which is weird. The Seahawks were four and four last year, even with 12s at, at playing at home. So home field advantage isn't what it used to be, but does it make a difference with their quality? By the way, should seem okay by Sunday. It looks like there's some, some front that's coming in later in the week. So maybe the air quality will be okay for uh, CenturyLink, but. Um, you know, just going to Seattle, you have any prediction for the game for the Patriots and Seahawks on Sunday? I, I think we'll win. I think it'll be I think it'll be a pretty close game. It'll be in the in the twenties or so. But you know, speaking of you know, the home field advantage, I I, I wonder if, if there even is one anymore. I guess, you know, you're you're playing home and you know, you wake up in your own bed type of thing. But here's my here's a question. You know, that fan noise that they're piping in on the TV is, it's kind of interesting. It's actually kind of funny because obviously somebody's got to monitor that because when there's a bad call, they got to pipe the right, you know, the right (laughs) fans in there for booing it and all that stuff. But are they playing that on the field? Can the players hear that, I wonder? Or is it just No, they can't. And supposedly it's what the deal is, is they're supposed to be playing the same level of crowd interaction both ways from uh, whether the the home team is on offense or defense, which is why you can hear crowd noise. It's just so weird, but it's even the decibel that they're playing it at is like a lot less than what it would be with a, an actual live crowd. So it's, it's not really, it's kind of funny because you and I were watching the, the Seahawks Falcons game when the both teams were calling out the plays or talking, you could hear them clearly. Like it was yeah. like, there's no secrets there. Yeah. I kind of like that, that, them piping in that noise too because i'm a i watch a lot of ufc and you know when it's a live audience you, you can't hear a lot but now that there's no audience they're all playing that they're not piping in any 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 sound i mean you can hear those smacks and those punches and it's uh, it's a whole different deal but um that, that fan noise <laughs> just cracks me up so <laughs> yeah and it might not even be a bad call but they boo it's like really they should have like lined it up with like zoom and people watching it on zoom and actually having that audio i guess you couldn't really like if somebody cussed or something you couldn't really it'd have to be a delay which would be weird but still be kind of something to play with 
Hell, the way the world's going now, why not let let's start casting on TV? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. It reminds me of this techno bowl game I used to play when I was younger, and there was one. It was all uh, a CGI, obviously, but there would you'd hear something. Uh, one guy say, "You suck," and that's what you should hear on these on these live yeah. games, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's weird not to even have the announcers at the game. So what they're what the away announcers are calling, they're not even there. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, some of the home announcers aren't there either. They're at a TV studio near the stadium. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, it's just such a strange world we live in. I, I mean, I I never picked the Seahawks to win because I, I think I'm a big jinx, but I think it'll be a lower scoring game. Um, I mean, I can see it even in the teens, the way the Patriots play defense and, and the Patriots offense is still kind of limited. I mean, they won 21-11 in the first week, but they weren't playing a very good team. So... I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's going to be an interesting season. Who knows? There's no, really, as Kevin just said, and really kind of Rob alluded to, there's no home field advantage for any team at this point. You're just playing at home. At least you're not staying in a hotel room. So anyway. Yeah. So I hope we get, I hope we get through the season too. That's, you know, this deal could knock out one whole team yeah. and it's not done, like baseball. But. Because in baseball, it's like, okay, you've got several days to make up several games. In the NFL, if you get one or two teams that get COVID-19 and a bunch of it, you can't reschedule those games. The season's just <laughs> chaos at that point. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we might have LeBron James being a quarterback. Or a tight end. He'd be a tight end. Actually, it might be kind of cool. So There you go. 6'8 tight end who can jump. So that's our, that's our show. Kevin, as always, has the last two words. Go Hawks! <laughs>